You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. We are continuing our international series today, and we're heading back to Taiwan. Joining us today, the Reverend Stephen Oliver, serving the Lord in Taiwan and the Asia region. Good morning, (laughs) Pastor Oliver. Good morning. Good to be here. Well, it is a delight to have the chance to talk with you again today and learn about how the Lord has given you to serve in Taiwan. Tell us about the path that led up to you serving in Taiwan. I know it was was quite an adventure. Sure. I grew up in a um, Christian family in the Missouri Synod, and so we had a lot of missionaries visit our churches, and they made a big impression on me. Some Somewhere in my heart was that urge and I think calling to be a missionary since I was small. I did end up going to a Concordia University and the seminary and interviewed on my way out of the seminary to be a missionary, but at that time it didn't work for a call. So the mission department said, keep in touch. I went on to be a pastor in Iowa and that, that urge kept on working in me, especially when the Tiananmen incident happened in 1989. That really caught, that made me um, really focus and think about Chinese. And as time went on, the mission department continued to contact me and we just through many things worked towards going to the Chinese world. And this, this position here at China Lutheran Seminary as teacher of biblical studies opened up just at the time that I had gone back to the seminary and earned a PhD in biblical studies and had begun to study Chinese. So it worked out Um, really well. And now I've been here over 20 years, which is amazing to think of how the time has gone fast. It just seems like a few months. (laughs) That's a good sign when it doesn't feel like it's been very long and it's actually been a a really long time. (laughs) Tell us about about China Lutheran Seminary. What is the seminary? uh, Who are the students that attend here? The students that, the students at the seminary itself, the full-time students, are all planning to go into full-time church work, um, a variety of kinds of full-time church work. Some will be pastors, some evangelists, some missionaries overseas. We even have some Chinese graduates that have gone to America to serve in churches and reach out to Chinese there and all around the world, especially Asia. In fact, in we some of our graduates go or go back to very hard-to-reach countries. Um, like Indonesia or Cambodia or places where the gospel is really restrained, even China. And so we are thankful that we can contribute to that, bringing the gospel into places that where there are enemies of the gospel. Let me put it that way. And mm-hmm. Jesus said that there will be enemies of the gospel until he comes again. But that should not stop the going forward of the Great Commission. So we're working with that. And Besides missionaries, pastors, evangelists, some of our graduates go on to be youth workers, our administrators in the church, our teachers. So it's a variety of callings. It's similar 
you might say it's like one of our colleges and seminaries put together. So not all the graduates are going to be pastors or a, a clergy type, but at the same time, unlike our colleges, all of the studies here are theological. So share with us more about how you're given to serve there. How I'm given to serve here? Yeah, how you're given to serve there at in Taiwan and the China Evangelical Lutheran Seminary. Okay. We entered... The Missouri Synod entered being participants in this seminary about 30 years ago through a Fort Wayne professor who retired and came out to serve missions. His name was Wally Degner. And then after him, Jeff Oswald, who is now at Concordia Seminary, served about 10 years. And then I am following him. Now, we've had a number of other missionaries and professors come out part-time or in various capacities, and but... I've been called to serve in teaching biblical studies. And I, I didn't mention that probably more of our students are lay leaders than our full-time church workers because we have a, a vast array of branch schools, online courses, and different programs for training and teaching lay people. So of all of our students put together, full-time students comprise about a fourth of them, and then lay programs are about three-fourths of our programs. So we teach lay people and train them in how to serve better in their churches and spread the gospel where they are. So we really, with this ripe Chinese world at this point, with all the troubles that are happening and the way that people are seeing their need for the Lord in the Chinese world, we're really seeing that the, the field is white for harvest and ready to ready to work in. So we missionaries, for example, from America, and there's missionaries from Europe as well, we see our role is supporting those Chinese people that are called to spread the gospel among Chinese. So I teach, I basically teach New Testament courses in Greek. I'm also recently become the administrator for a graduate program, the only THM program Master of Theologies in Luther Studies here in Taiwan. So we kind of hope that we will be kind of like the Wittenberg of Taiwan or, or China. <laughs> so we really, are, we really have a strong value here, all of the teachers and students for Lutheran theology. So that may be a very um, unique aspect of our seminary compared to other seminaries, that theology of race alone, faith alone, scripture alone. And it really brings into the Chinese world a refreshing and free um, theology compared to so much that often more emphasize the law and even can give people the idea that they need to be saved by their performance. So really, I think the heart of, the heart of my teaching New Testament is bringing that gospel forward, rooting it in the lives of Chinese, individual lives, families society, <clears throat> churches, and really bringing forth that, that gospel as well as we can with the Holy Spirit's help. And also, like I said, administering it. Part of the work of my being director of the graduate program is that I participate in the, um, basically leading the seminary, all the administrator meetings where we have to make decisions about the seminary. And I'm um, also, you know, advise the students, guide them, in their research, 
the graduate program is basically for leaders in the church. And in fact, we have a few alumni of that program that are really pretty strong leaders. One is the leader of our partner church here. And then we have translators. Right now, I'm also helping translate a book by Dr. Kolb, hmm. Robert Kolb, called The Enduring Word and How the Bible Shaped Martin Luther in the Wittenberg School, which is it's really an amazing book. Robert Kolb told me it was about 25 years of research to write this book. And so we're translating in it and we'll publish it in Chinese. Yeah. So it's um, really a variety of work, teaching, administrating, helping with translation, and doing a variety of things. I even travel around to other countries around here, even hard-to-reach countries, to teach, to build up the church there, sometimes a very struggling church and um, persecuted church. And, but my job is always to teach. So interestingly enough, if I go into a hard-to-reach country, and if I have to write something like, for my visa, like, I will not <clears throat> evangelize. I basically can say that I won't evangelize because I'm going to teach those who will do that work among their people. And it seems like we've found that when the people who are from that, the native people, when they evangelize, there's much more obvious fruit than if outsiders come in and, and evangelize. So we're there to edify, build up, do what we can to teach and root that word in people's life, that really life-giving and, and strengthening word, that wisdom from above. Mm -hmm. So many good things happening. So much great work being done to share the gospel with, with all of these people. And uh, there, there's so many things. And I know I've, I've listened to your presentations before, and there's so many things that, that we could talk about. But you brought up languages and translation. Talk a little bit about the, the language. Are, are the classes taught in, in English? And what kind of materials do you actually have in the uh, native language? The, all our classes here are taught in Mandarin, mm -hmm. which is major Chinese language. It was kind of, has been through different times of history enforced as a major Chinese language. And it's actually called the national language of China as well as Taiwan. Now, Chinese has about eight major dialects, which could each be considered a language, although they all use the same characters, the same written characters. So when we write something or translate in Chinese, no matter what dialect they use, whether it's Cantonese in the South, used by our partner church in Hong Kong, or whether it's Mandarin, which is the language of Beijing. And actually, the reason they call it Mandarin is that when they were ruling from Beijing, which they've been doing probably about a thousand years now, when they were ruling from Beijing, the government officials they sent out were called Mandarins. And they spoke that language from Beijing. It's basically the Beijing or Peking dialect. And so that they had to do their main business in that language. And so now it's really become enforced as the main language of Chinese around the world, which I see that kind of like during the first century when they spoke Greek and they wrote the New Testament in Greek, although all, all the writers except for Luke were, were Jewish. So their main language, was, their first language, mother language was Hebrew or Aramaic, but they wrote it in Greek because that was a language that would reach people. And we're, I'm working with two translation projects for translating mainly Luther's works 
and works about Luther into Chinese. One is our Missouri Synod project, which we work with the Hong Kong church. And to me, it's amazing that 500 years after the Reformation, Mandarin, which is the largest language group in the world now, 1.4 billion people speak Mandarin or understand it at least. And we only have less than 10th of Luther's works translated into Mandarin. So to me, that's a shame. And for this, as big an influence as Martin Luther had and big as influences the Reformation has been, not just on the church, but the whole world, we're still way behind. So we're working hard to get that um, translated. And so we do have about a, a tenth of Martin Luther's works translated into Mandarin. We have a lot of other works. Actually, our library here, most of the theological works in Mandarin are translations from English because English is probably the major second language of the world now, just like Greek in the first century. And so everyone wants to sell their books, they write in English. And so we're translating them. But Mandarin's quickly becoming a a very strong language required even in English and European schools as a second language. And so we're working hard to get as much as we can. But at this point, most of the biblical and theological work is a translations which is not the best because the thought forms are from that original language. So if we can get them originally written in Chinese, it's going to really make a, have a stronger engagement and connection with Chinese. And I'm working on that. I'm working on writing a book in Chinese about Luther's bondage of the will. And we're encouraging our teachers to write, and it is coming forth. We are working on it. And so I think in the future, we're going to see more, but right at this point, we're kind of working with a crutch in that most of the books we're using are translations, but we do all, we all are required to teach in Mandarin. And if we do have a visiting teacher, we'll have a, a translator for that teacher because all our students are, are actually from Mandarin or Chinese backgrounds, not all from Taiwan. We do have students from around the world, even America, Hong Kong, Indonesia, and other places as well. We're learning about the Lord's work in Taiwan and the Asia region. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Stephen Oliver, serving in Taiwan and the Asia region. We have more to learn on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are in Taiwan and Asia region today in our international series. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Stephen Oliver and about his service there in Taiwan. Pastor Oliver, you shared with us about the ways that you've been given to serve at the seminary there, the China Lutheran Seminary and teaching and writing and and so much that's happening in terms of theological education. 
Let's talk about life for you and your family in Taiwan and learning about the the culture. I know you've been there for uh, quite a while and it's just a, a part of your family and your family life. Tell us more about the culture and your family life there in Taiwan. Okay, be glad to do that. My wife is a Taiwan woman, Maggie, and we got married 15 years ago, have three children, two um, sons, right at starting to go through puberty. For every parent who has been through that, you know some of those challenges there with mood changes, emotions, ways of communicating, but we're working through those. And my daughter is um, 10. So I have a daughter, 10, and two sons um, that are 12 and 14. And they are entirely bilingual. So in our home, we talk both languages. We switch back and forth. We'll just quickly switch back and forth. And I found with each of the children that probably up to four years old, they would mix the languages and they were unaware that there is actually more than one language. So half a sentence would be Chinese, half a sentence English. And just about four years old, they started to realize there are actually two languages and I've got to try to separate them. And that's when they try to separate them because they realize when I talk to my Chinese grandma, I got to use all Chinese. When I talk to my other grandma, I got to use all English. Kind of interesting how that happened in a practical way. But if I would see probably the, one of the biggest or the biggest challenge for missionaries is to really be able to go over that gap, to, to bridge that gap of culture and language carries our culture. So that language learning, which is a lifetime thing, is a major thing. And I think many come back because they can't bridge that. They've never been able to really enter that culture. So they're kind of always on the outside. And even when you do enter it, like me, I've been here 20 years. It's like an onion, especially the Chinese culture, which has 5,000 years of history. And even Chinese don't fully understand their own culture. So, you know, and even people in our own culture from the West have varying degrees of understanding of our culture and its depths and its roots. So, you know, I'm continually surprised by things and my wife, I'm glad she can help me because <laughs> she's kind of translator for the culture. And we don't always pick up all the nuances of everything. So that's one of our biggest jobs is to really try to be aware and sensitive, get a stronger understanding of the language. And actually, when I started, when I left to be a missionary, they sent us to a school for learning another language. And one of the things they said is you need to have a language partner that you work with all the time. So up till now, all these 20 years, I still have a, lang a Chinese class every week with my, a Chinese teacher and, and I'm still learning a lot because I've learned it to a level, but you know, I've, I really need to keep learning it and get deeper. And so to give an example, Chinese has tones, which is one of the hardest things to grasp from a non-Chinese person. First tone, second tone, third tone, and fourth tone. If I take the word ma, ma, which means mother also in Chinese. First tone is ma, and that means mother. Second tone is ma, your voice goes up, and that means hemp that you make ropes from. Um, third tone is ma, which means horse. 
So I got to be careful not to call my mother-in-law a horse. I probably, <laughs> and the last tone is ma, like in a mean scold, just, it goes down just like scolding ma. So I, every week I, I make mistakes in these and my wife reminds me and she said, what did you say? That's not the right <laughs> word. That's not the right tone. When I first came out here, I thought people were saying the Bible is the God's book, Shengjing, but they were saying it's the Shengjing, a holy book. And so when people ask me, what are you studying there? Back still in the seminary studying, and I came out to do language study out here, I would say I'm studying Shengjing, which is actually psychoanalysis. <laughs> and so, so they, I tell them that and they'd look at me real strange, you know, with this look like you're going to psychoanalyze me now. <laughs> I didn't pick it up for quite a while until someone said, Hey, what are you saying? How are you saying that? That's the wrong way to say it. And so, you know, Chinese are very polite. They generally won't correct person, especially if they're a teacher or a pastor or something like that. But once in a while, you'll find a person. I'm thankful my wife is that person. She's, un, she's not at all bashful about saying where I've done something wrong or not correct or whatever. So I'm learning every day. I'm still learning every day. And I'm still making mistakes every day. And incidentally, in that language school, they told us, you, you cannot learn a language until you've made a billion mistakes. So make those mistakes <laughs> and learn it. <laughs> Oh, that sounds like a, quite a, like you said, a, a lifelong adventure to learn that language and to be immersed in the culture. How have how has life been different over the last year and a half, two years? Or any challenges and ways that God has really provided for your family and for the the seminary over the last couple of years? Yes, the these seminaries out in Asia really struggle financially, so it's just really living on a string. But God. Um, brings forth what we need when we need it. I think of George Mueller, who was the, an Englishman who had the orphanages back in the time of Oliver Twist. And he just, you know, said, I'm just going to pray where you're going to trust. And so I feel like we're living like that. And the seminary is, and we our our family, the Missouri Synod mission and the people who give in the Missouri Synod are really giving immensely well. And actually coming out of the pandemic, it's pretty amazing that people are confident about their giving and supporting missionaries. So we, we have no fear in that realm. But what we probably struggle with in our family is just the day-to-day -day life of living as a family. It, it's just like many families, you know, communication, miscommunication. I'm trying to teach the children and them resisting being teach, taught. They're having to do their chores and not <laughs> chores right, all these things, you know. And you probably, a lot of people see a pastor's family or something in church and look so nice and righteous and smiling and don't realize that just getting to church, there was all kinds of arguing and really chaotic type of things happening. And that's the reality, just that kind of back and forth. But we do have a lot of fun. We, we've been on lockdown for two months, just like I said before we started. Taiwan has escaped the pandemic for 18 months. We were able to let the bricks fly overhead, stay over the fray, and we only had 12 deaths from that, from COVID in 18 months. But then this Mother's Day, we had an outbreak from a pilot who brought it, and the pilots didn't have as strong a quarantine measure. Now they do, but brought it in unknowingly, no 
he had no symptoms, but he spread it to a bunch of people. And then it's, we had an outbreak. So we're on lockdown now for these last two months. And we've had over 600 deaths just in two months. <laughs> and so, so we're dealing with that in that close family life. I know in America, you know, people are used to that. It's been over a year and a half, maybe having to deal with this, but we're dealing with it now. And so I think what I try to do is look for the opportunities in that. And it's very hard. I just was thinking the other day, if we imagined our life to be a life of lockdown, we would just live it as normal. And we would take not being locked down as a great opportunity or as a great um, blessing. But we, we expect our life to be sort of normal. So we were bothered by these things. So I, I just try to teach the kids and my wife, hey, this, these are opportunities to learn how to communicate, play a lot of games, you know, board games, do a lot of things online and are working through all of that. And I guess probably one of the challenges too is that school online, because if people turn off their camera when you're online, you don't know what they're doing, right? They could be sleeping, they could be watching TV or whatever. So um, trying to find a way to have online things and really have people gain as much as they could in person, that is a major challenge, I think. Both for kids in their school and also for our seminary classes here as well. Thanks be to God for all that he has provided for you during this time. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Stephen Oliver, serving the Lord in Taiwan and the Asia region. Pastor Oliver, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Thank you again, Andy and Sarah. It's great to be here again with everyone. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.